Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. Grants for small business. Uh, Mike Vinoy, Vice President of Marketing here at Assure. Uh, got a really cool show for you today. So uh, most of the time we're talking about payroll, HR, legalese, compliance topics. Uh, but our mission is to help small businesses grow, right? And now that the war for talent is no longer some just enterprise big company thing, the war for talent has hit Main Street. We're all struggling to, to find talent, to get behind our mission, to grow our companies, uh, uh, have a really cool guest that, that her business does the exact same thing, though in a different way. Uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Elizabeth Gore. Uh, she serves as the co-founder and president of Hello Alice, which helps businesses launch and grow by providing access to funding, networks, and services. Through a network of over a half million companies in all 50 states and across the globe, Hello Alice is building the largest community of business owners in the country, while tracking data and trends to increase owner success rate. Elizabeth pre previously served as entrepreneur in residence at Dell Technologies. There, she drove initiatives to support Dell's, growth, Dell's goals of helping small and medium-sized businesses scale and prosper. She is Emeritus Chair at United Nations Foundation Global Entrepreneurs Council and previously served the UN for nearly a decade as the first ever entrepreneur in residence for the foundation as well as Vice President of Global Partnerships. People Magazine has named her one of the top 100 extraordinary women. Fast Company called her one of the most creative people in business, and she was named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's Women to Watch. She has been covered in media outlets like ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Fox Business, Fortune, Glamour, and Time. Elizabeth Gore, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy with Doll. Heidi... <laughs> Um, howdy, Mike. It's great to be here and uh, look forward to digging deep on how we can all bring better capital. Yeah, you bet. So uh, so, so I know we're going to talk about grants. We're going to talk about funding for small businesses. Um, we're in some interesting times right now, right? Uh, lots of talk about recession, uh, obviously inflation, uh, Fed rising, uh, raising rates to try to curb uh, inflation, but that also impacts uh, funding availability. Can we just maybe start? I, I'm just really curious. You bring a unique perspective. What, what's your assessment like of the general small business economy right now? And, and what are some of the unique challenges that these guys face? Yeah, Mike, I mean, um, we're all living it every day, right? We see, I think we it hits home when we see the price of eggs and milk and things that we need every day. And I think that directly translates to small businesses that are the thread of our lives every day, right? From our coffee shops to our childcare, to our accountants, to local doctors and commodities and the price of them going up is, is really brutal, right? It's hard. And 
no matter if we're in a high times or low times, the toughest thing we always deal with is cash flow, right? Um, and I'll never forget, I was working for Michael Dell and I asked him, what keeps you up at night? And he said, cash flow. And that, you know, that was a <laughs> billions of dollars. And I think it's the same for any small business owner. And when cash gets tight, you know, it, it's even tougher. And so I, I think that small business owners do amazing in extreme tough times and extreme growth times. And so COVID was an era where we all, you know, had to button down. We might even had to close our doors, file for bankruptcy. We had to, you know, stretch and, and owners knew what they had to do. In growth times, we sprint, we run, we get as many customers as we can. This messy middle right now, I think is very unpredictable and difficult. You know, no. entrepreneurs and small business owners are planners. Um, they have contingencies, but when you, when we're going month to month right now with highs and lows, I think uncertainty is particularly hard for a small business owner. So that's what I worry about right now. So we, we, it's interesting. Our, our world's parallel so much. So we, we talk about the uncertainty in our world around like HR, right? So for call right. it the last 80, 90 years, about once a decade, you'd have some major piece of legislation from, 1938 uh, Fair Labor Standards Act to the uh, Equality mm -hmm. uh, Civil Rights Act in the 60s to OSHA in the 70s, right. Americans with Disabilities in the 90s, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this last decade, and I'd say COVID and the pandemic has just thrown gasoline on it, this massive mm -hmm. expansion of state, local counties, municipalities passing their own versions of these, whether it's overtime or uh, right. Right. Uh, 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 just an endless number of HR, HR laws adding to the complexity. What are some of the right. what are some of the layers of complexity in the in this uncertainty that you're seeing specifically in the finance world as it relates to small business owners? Yeah, I mean, and this is a great time to do this podcast because we even have had an upheaval in the last four weeks on our banking, right? And small business owners live and die through their banks, regional banks, national banks. And, you know, you say legislation, I think back to the Frank Dodd legislation after the 2008 right. collapse. And here we are re-looking at that legislation now on how do we, how are we protected and what is our financial hygiene around our banks, Right. right. So, right. you know, we, yes, I understand the complexity of, you know, higher prices affecting our cash flow, but we shouldn't be worried about the safety of our deposits, right? So that's just added a whole nother level, I think, of anxiety for our small business owners. I would say with finance right now, on the good side of it, small business owners are really paying attention to, you know, lowering costs, but increasing their spend around software increasing their spend around how they're capturing their own data. So I do think we have a kind of smart use generation right now of small business owners, whether they're net new or they really had to do a lot of transitioning over the last three years. So I'm, I'm excited to see that um, the use of software, whether it's accounting, whether it's HR, whether it's um, marketing software, um, where I really would love to see is small business owners working weekly to diversify their cash flow. I think that is so critical right now. And so considering, of course, uh, receipts are the most important thing we can get on cash flow, but are you applying for grants? Are you looking at lines of credit? Are you really using your operational credit cards and payments in a way that you're making money 
as you're paying. So I think really understanding how to diversify your cash flow right now is is more important than ever, and it will really serve you for the life of your business. So uh, Elizabeth, I think a lot of people when when I when they hear diversify your cash flow, they probably think income streams like uh, whether it's different products, different mm-hmm. uh, different markets that I'm serving. Um, but I think you're talking about something different here, right? You're talking about the way in which the business gets funded. Uh, That's exactly right. I would say gets funding and manages funding, Mike, both. So, you know, one of which is where where you're receiving, let's just say either operational or growth capital. For yeah. example, I'm a huge fan of local banks. And even if you have your money at a tier one national bank, are you establishing a relationship with your bank in your community? That is an amazing uh, place to get a line of credit, for example. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear, lines of credit are, you know, I take out a, let's just say a $50,000 line of credit. It's got 4% interest, but I don't use it unless I need it in an emergency or maybe I need to, um, I got a huge order in, so I have to buy 30,000 t-shirts before I get paid for them. So that line mm-hmm. of credit sits there until you need it. And, and there's no punishment as it sits there, right? It's very different than a full loan that you're paying interest are. Loans do have survey a very strong purpose. I'm a big fan of SBA-backed loans, lower interest rates. Um, but you have to be very judicious about where it pays back. Credit, you, as I mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah, please, go ahead. So, so I'm curious, unpack this for me. So I think the a lot of small business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, their tendency would be, okay, let me lock in the most trustworthy or, and or probably or the lowest cost, easiest capital to yeah. access. So if I like mm-hmm. I, I get a I get a relationship with my local bank, boom, I'm good. I don't explore other things. When you say mm-hmm. they should be exploring you know more diversity in their in their cash flow options. Yeah. Why? So if I've got a great relationship with my local bank, I'm getting great rates. You know, I don't want to uh, explore factoring or some other things that may be more expensive yeah. access to capital. Why should I at least have those things in my bag of tricks kind of portfolio, if you will? You know, great question. And I think the hardest thing with all this is time, right? All our small business owners are time poor. So it takes time right. to go explore those other options, which is hard, right? Right. I think what we have learned the last three years, whether it's COVID, whether these banks are turning upside down, that fin- uh, I, I keep hearing the term financial hygiene, which I really like, um, or diversification. Uh, and why that's important is you you can utilize those different tools or different rates or different relationships in, at different times. And as you grow, if you can establish those early when you're smaller or you're not in the middle of emergency, that that is much better. So, for example, a couple of things at, at Hello Alice, our own business, um, we, we applied for a zillion grants in the beginning of our business. And it was great because we didn't have to give up equity. Um, it took time, yes, but it gave us a baseline to grow. What we didn't do, which I wish we would have, is when we did have cash, we should have gone and applied for a line of credit based on that cash so that if we ever had an emergency or we needed it, it was there. When you need the line of credit, when there's very little cash in the bank, banks don't like giving you that line of credit. So sometimes it's hard to think about these different alternatives when you're in a good place because 
you're fine. You have a great relationship. I'm focusing on my marketing, on my employees and others. But but truly, that's when you want to do this process. That makes that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, it's it's the old paradox, right? Is uh, when you need the money the most, there's probably a reason, right? Right. And it's and it's yeah. may in fact be the reason may in fact be one of the reasons no one wants to give you the money at that time. So lining it up ahead of time, right? That's right. And Mike, I want to spend just a second, if I may, I, yeah. on operational credit. Um, you know, any any small business can get a credit card or credit, and that's not good. I mean, there's predatory credit rates that, that are extreme. Um, but if you can get an equitable credit at a at an appropriate rate, you know, let you know, I I don't love giving specific advice here, but let's just say, can you get a 15, 16, 17 percent right now? And as you're spending, for example, are you getting cash back? Are you getting points and rewards? Most of the time we think of that as a consumer benefit, but it is a really strong benefit for small business owners if you can get right. a small business credit card. Additionally, they generally come with a lot of discounts. And so we also encourage people, a lot of people think about credit as receivables or payments, uh, but you can also with your weekly spending. So if I'm buying lumber every week or eggs every week or so on, and that pattern spending, make sure that you're getting rewarded for that spend. So that's just another way to, to earn money uh, while you're operating. Yeah, and maybe if I could, uh, and I'm going outside of traditional even, this isn't even financing, but a way to generate your own financing, a topic we've, we've talked about in this show before is you can create your own financing just through your own management of your contracts and terms with vendors and customers. Absolutely, Mike. Yeah. I feel like this is one of the biggest missed opportunities for for business owners. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm great at my craft. I'm an architect. I'm a, a hairdresser opening a salon. I'm a carpenter uh, doing home remodeling, and it, it doesn't occur to a lot of people that the terms your vendors give you are in fact negotiable. The terms you set with your customer are in fact negotiable. Can you speak into that? So my one of my biggest pet peeves on the planet is when a corporation says that they will pay an invoice within 120 days. I mean, that's a way they make money. They're making money off what they owe you. If you can go back, you can't do this all the time, but you can say, hey, I'd like to change this to payment within 30 days. I'd like to pay this back within 90 days. Um, or excuse me, they owe you within 30 to 90 days. Yes. And I completely agree with you, Mike, on that. The second thing, really critical, I just talked to actually an, an architecture firm out of Friendswood, Texas on this. You need to put a late fee in your invoicing. So if someone is late paying you, that costs you money because maybe you're having to pay back another loan or bank or an employee. So right. putting that 10 to 20% late fee in there is critical to your business. And it's fair, by the way, a lot of small business owners, these are your friends, they are your right. neighbor contractors, right. but it is just good business. That's right. And, and I, I want to walk through, I'm going to do the math for folks. So, cause you, you might be thinking, Oh, sure. we're a small business. This doesn't apply to us. If you are a $1.2 million business, and let's just pretend you're running break even just to make the math easy. It's $100,000 a month. If you can turn your clients from a net 30 paying you to a due upon receipt, you just bought yourself a hundred grand 
in in financing. And if you do the same Absolutely. on the other end of that equation, you pay your your vendors net sixty instead of net thirty. You literally, as a one point two million dollar company, just got two hundred grand in financing without talking to a bank or anybody else. I mean, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mike, uh, one more thing on that, if I may. Uh, if you've been in business over two years, especially if you've been in business over five years, again, it takes time. I highly encourage you to spend a little bit of time assessing all your costs and making sure you're getting the best deal. A lot of folks, for example, maybe they'll sign up for Comcast Internet and QuickBooks and so on three to five years ago. Yeah. And then they just have a monthly fee, right? Go back, check the rates. Can, you've been the customer a long time. Can you lower that monthly fee? Is there a better alternative out there? Again, I know it takes time, but if you can put, you know, an hour every other day on your calendar for two weeks to just look at your core costs and see if you can pull those down or do you even need all the services that you're using because things evolve and change. That is another way to bring cash back to yourself. Yeah, yeah. All right, so first and foremost, I think our recommendation, both of us, create your own financing through better terms with both vendors and customers. Number yes. two, yes. diversify your sources of financing. Not diversify, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't, but it's a different thing than diversifying income streams uh, this mm -hmm. geography versus this product line versus this industry, whatever. Um, but truly diversify your sources to capital. So you may be running just fine and your line of credit is more than enough, but have one or two or five other things lined up so that when the time arises that you might need it, it's there at the ready. Um, let's maybe pivot to, I think, where where we probably spend most of our conversation today and certainly where you and your company kind of come into play and have expertise is around grants. Mm -hmm. I think this is an area that people just have no idea how much money is actually out there available for them. And just as the word implies, it's a grant. It's not a loan. It's free. Um, and when I think about how hard people, business owners are willing to just grind and sweat to work to make a buck, the amount of profit out of coming out of the top line and what's right. left, do they, if they actually did the math on the, the amount of effort it would take to apply for, search for and apply for grants, they would realize, wow. oh my God, that's that's better money that I should be pursuing. Take it so away I, from there. Oh, Mike, I am a huge fan of grants. As I said before, from personal experience. So let me just start there. Um, so Carolyn Rods, my co-founder and I, we, we bootstrapped and built Hello Alice. Um, we both had two babies each. We moved in together, shared, shared a babysitter. And I mean, don't do this, but we maxed out credit cards. I mean, we tried every, you know, yeah. So one of, we got a tip from someone that was like, you know, there and this is this is uh 2016 by the way. Grants are completely evolved and way more ready readily available now. But we got a tip of like have you heard of grants and so on and so forth. So we just dug in and would like stay up all night looking for for grants to support our business which supports small businesses. And we ended up with um, a grant from the SBA. SBA, um, the Small Business Administration, has 
millions and millions of dollars of grants. Um, going to sba.gov, it's not the easiest thing to navigate, but you can. We got a, a $50,000 SBIR grant that changed our lives. I mean, it was, it was a huge amount of money. Um, there's no equity taken out. A lot of paperwork at first. Uh, it then led us to, we found a grant out of Kansas City from a foundation called the Kaufman Foundation. We got a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, specifically from Melinda Gates. And so it really allowed us to, you know, we were, we were unemployed, we had to pay childcare, we had to build this business, and it was just life-changing for us. So, you know, fast forward to now to um, 2023 and, and small business grants have become part of the populace. Used to be mostly they were government-based. Now the private sector has them, uh, excuse me, federal government, um, private sector, also your local municipalities, counties, state have small business grants. And uh, also a little fact for all of you, depending what industry you're in, Every department at the federal government gives impact investments, a.k.a. grants. So Health and Human Services has grants. The Department of Transportation has grants. The Smithsonian has grants around the arts. We got grants from the SBA. So also there are these really unique grants that are based on benefiting the industry or the outcome you're in. Yeah. So how do you approach grants? Because, Mike, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. But again, taking time, maybe maybe two hours out of your week to to research and then apply is incredibly helpful. And the reason why I say this, Mike, is you're you're going to get told no a lot. I'm just going to be really honest, because there's always thousands of people applying more than there is space. Sure. The law of averages, if you apply for enough, you'll probably get it. And they're not taking equity. You're not paying interest. It's not a loan. And generally, a lot of grant programs provide more. They open doors. They'll provide mentorship. Um, you, maybe you're put in a cohort with other small business owners. So it is, it is a great opportunity for your business. Uh, the other thing I'll just say for um, the new majority, women, people of color, U.S. veterans, um, people with disabilities, uh, there are a lot of grants based on you as a founder in your own demographic. Right. So I would say the search areas you want to do is start at sba.gov. On Hello Alice, we have a whole grants um, facility that both we have grants from our company, but we also help you search for grants from the private sector. And then finally, look at your state, your county, and your city. So go to the .gov. I'm sitting in California of California.gov. I'm in Sonoma County, and I'm in the city of Santa Rosa. They will also potentially have grants for your business. So I, I, Mike, I could go on and on, but let me let me pause there. Yeah. So, man, I got I got a million questions. Um, how have Good. grants evolved? Because it's so like I'm I'm assuming mm -hmm. there's this pretty strong parallel. You know, I talk about used to have once a decade major federal uh, HR oriented laws, right? And now there's this explosion mm -hmm. of state, local, municipality versions of those same laws. And, and it's part of this trend that is accelerating where, you know, a hundred years ago, the all the power was with the employer, right? 
And it's right. not that employers were bad people and capitalists were terrible human beings. But the fact of the matter is law of supply and demand. Um, there were more workers than there were jobs and people were taken advantage of. And so you start passing some laws uh, on the federal basis to protect people. <clears throat> and now mm -hmm. the continuum is really shifted to the uh, more and more protections of the employee and not the employer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it seems to me that so many of these protections, they got, kind of go back to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act uh, in the 60s. Um, government agencies, not just federal, but state, county, local municipality, and certainly nonprofits, they're looking for ways to help people in protected classes. Yeah. And, and they're mm -hmm. looking for ways to help that employee break out from underneath the employer. And I, I'm assuming you're seeing the same thing happen in this, what I'll call this continuum of a power shift to support mm -hmm. individuals. Can, can you, uh, I'd be curious for your thoughts on how you see that playing out in the grant world. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because I think there's been a transition of an understanding both by the general public and by government that small, well, first of all, that small business owners are the, the largest employer in, in the country. A lot of people think it's yeah. big corporate, but collectively they employ the most people. Yeah. Second is they are, they live and die for the first five years on an individual. And that is the best small business owner. Yeah. Right. It is such a personal roller coaster for that individual Amen. and everything around that individual. Um, there are barriers, there's isolation, there's difficulty. I, I, I work with a lot of uh, farmers in very rural environments who there's no, there's not a bank within, you know, a hundred miles of them. For example, they don't have a, a Wi-Fi. I mean, so people are starting to understand that if there are barriers, uh, maybe it's based on bias or on ethnicity. Maybe it's based on, you know, it's it's a white male farmer who's in an extreme rural environment, maybe, and they don't have access to the internet. Maybe it's a U.S. veteran who has been deployed, so they don't have a credit history at all when they come home. So they want to start a business, but it's impossible to get a loan. So I do think there is an understanding that if we don't support these people as individuals, as business owners, that we're not going to have a strong economy. And there are systemic barriers, whether intentional or, and I think most of them are not intentional, actually. They're just, they have not evolved with the times. Yeah. We have to figure out how to get funding to these individuals for them to get yeah. off the ground. And, yeah. and I do think the world has woken is waking up to we've got there's strong infrastructure change that needs to be happening. But in the meantime, we need to get cash flow to these small business owners so they can start being capitalists and making money and hiring people yeah. in our communities. Elizabeth, are, are there like categories of of these sources of funding? So like uh, how much of this is what I would say the standard title seven protected classes, like a minority owned business, woman owned business, mm -hmm. uh, a business that's in a faith category versus mm -hmm. maybe just specific industries. You know, there are, there, you know, a, yeah. a, a local, local city might be really trying to re revitalize a tech sector, for example, but how, mm -hmm. how would, how would entrepreneurs find these and should we th they'd be thinking, uh, I guess, according to the buckets that they may be organized in. Yeah, actually, Mike, the top two approaches on grants are geography and industry. Okay. So the first thing you're going to want to look at is your geography. 
And this, this, this goes back to your state, your county, and your city. Most of those really are just looking at, you know, writ large, the small businesses that serve their community. And they're not even cutting by industry. They're really about, you know, homegrown. Um, the, the second thing about that on, on geography, by the way, is there are private sector corporations now who are giving back to small businesses where their employees live and work. So yeah. Maryland, uh, BGE is the power company there. They're doing millions of dollars to small businesses in the state of Maryland. So don't just think when we say geography and regional, it's uh, government-based. There are a lot of private sector. There yeah. might be a community foundation uh, in your area that is also doing small business grants. So that's really what I mean by geography. Yeah. The second category, Mike, is industry. So particularly post-COVID, there are industry grants that are coming from everywhere. So the National Restaurant Association, um, you know, look at their grants programs for food services and restaurants. Um, DoorDash, uh, the food delivery company, they're giving grants to restaurants. Then you have the federal restaurant revitalization program. So they're giving to restaurants. So whatever your industry is, you're also going to search, you know, private sector. Oh, PepsiCo, a big one on more so on food services and food commodities, for example. So, um, so you're really going to want to look in your industry um, at specific opportunities as well. Do you have and 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 forgive me if I, for not knowing this, but do you have like a, an inventorying? Uh, a catalog of yes. all available grants or in, is it even possible to, are there so many that it's even really possible to catalog all of them? Yeah, Mike, I'll do it both. And there's no way that we keep up and capture with everything out there, but we try. Yeah. Uh, so yes, you can on hellowells.com, you can go on and search, find grants. Um, you can find ones appropriate to your stage of growth, your physical location, your industry, maybe gender, ethnicity, veteran status. Um, and then uh, what we don't do is the .gov. So again, go to sba.gov and do that same search okay. uh, as well as your state. And uh, But we try to keep up with it. And we uh, we release grant new grant programs every quarter as well. So you're always going to want to come back and see what's next and what's new. And again, I want to stress, Mike, um, whether you're applying or you receive a grant, make sure to look at the other benefits around that, that grant. Sometimes if you just apply, you might get discounts, you might get um, mentorship mm. opportunities, um, not just if you get the grant. And so you, then if you, you give an get example? the grant. Oh, sure. Um, let me think of some good ones. Um, Bunker Lab, actually, I'll do the U.S. Hispanic Chamber uh, right now has grants out for Latino uh, and Latina entrepreneurs, and they're going to give you free membership to, to U.S. Chamber. Um, they have classes, they have mentorship programs. So that's a great idea, uh, opportunity. Bunker Labs for Veterans, one of my absolute favorite organizations for vets. Um, they're going to pull you into their whole system of mentorship, connection, local corporate partnerships, whether you get that grant or not. Hello, Alice. Uh, we've just launched a business health score to where as you're applying for grants, we actually help you with your financial and business health, making sure that 
uh, your, we'll just use that word hygiene again, Mike, is getting sure. strengthened. So you, and, and here's the other thing, Mike, that um, took me a while to learn because every time I heard no, I got so pissed. Um, <laughs> but you can also ask for feedback with different programs. And if you hear three times, you know, you were declined for the same reason, it's, it's an important way to lo- learn about your business. There's right. obviously a gap there. There's something you need to strengthen. So, you know, there's a lot of knowledge in the no's as well as the yeses. Can you give an example of, and I'm, I'm sure it's a gigantic range, but like average run the mill grant for a small business owner. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a small business here. I'm in the greater St. Louis area. Uh, I do $2 million a year. You know I mean? Yeah. Because I, I think some people probably have this, I think it's a misconception. This is just a few hundred dollars here, maybe a thousand dollar there. Oh, that, that's just not worth my time. What kind of money are we talking about? Yeah, the, the average U.S. grant for a small business is ten thousand yeah. um, dollars, and and that include you know that's coming from a very local municipal two hundred all the way up to an SBA SBIR at fifty thousand, and so um, and you can you know look if you're a little later down down the line and you you think you you know want to make sure it's a, a larger grant for the time you're spending. You, you can look at, there are those $25,000 grants out there. Uh, UBS, KKR, Tiger Global. I'm just thinking of grants programs that I know are higher at that $25,000 yeah. mark. Those federal grants that I was mentioning that are inside each department, those tend to be much higher. Those are 100,000 and up. And so, um, so I, I would say, you know, you have to make the judgment call when you're applying if it's worth your time. But they generally are, on average, ten thousand and up. So, maybe again, maybe not a totally fair question because I'm sure there's huge var- variety. But like, what kind of effort? How many? And I'm really trying to almost like quantify for folks what the ROI of your time is on these things. So, if the average grant is ten yeah. grand, how many hours does that take? Because what's going through my head is ten grand. If I'm if I've got uh, if I've got a product that operates on call it a twenty percent gross margin, um, for me to put ten grand in my pocket, I've got to go sell fifty thousand dollars, right? And how much right, time right. am I willing to? How much how much broken glass would I walk across to sell fifty thousand dollars <laughs> as an entrepreneur? Yeah. But yet I'm walking by these opportunities. Can you can you help us quantify that? I think it's a fair question, Mike. I'm going to put a little asterisk. Your first application is going to take you longer, right? And I actually love that first application for business owners because it makes you get your shit together. You know, it it asks you, you know, cash flow, business planning, who's your team, what's your future? So that first one, I'll admit, might take longer because uh, if you've never applied for anything like a pitch competition or a grant or a loan, you know, it's going to cause quite a bit of discipline and digging into documents and so on. Sure. So let's just go to our second one, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say after that, you know, I don't see why a grant application would ever take you more than an hour. I mean, just to oh. be really honest. Um, and, and man, is that worth your time? Now, if you get up, that that's a general $10,000. So just to be clear, once you get up to those twenty five, fifty, hundred thousand, those should take you longer. Um, they're probably going to ask you a lot more information, which is fair, I think. 
Um, but, you know, I would say the smaller grants, the municipal ones, uh, even up to the state ones, once you have everything documented and you're going in your second and third applications, I don't think it should take you that much time. Elizabeth, I, I, I'm like you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I've been involved in many, many businesses, grew up in entrepreneurial business, so have my day job uh, at, at Assure, but I just know... I know how hard folks work for ten thousand dollars, and I and I see people, mm-hmm. I see business owners, you know, this is my business, and they will kill themselves trying to grow their company in that avenue, but the ROI is just so much higher in some areas like this that you you gotta you gotta really stop and just do the math, right? Like how many how many right. bathrooms would you have to remodel, and how many hours would it take <laughs> right. to put ten grand in your pocket net? Versus who care? Forget an hour. What if it took twenty hours? You're not putting ten grand in your pocket for twenty pocket for twenty hours worth of labor. I mean, right. there is, it's hard to find anything that would be a better ROI. I think. Right, I, I agree. And again, I I sympathize with stopping your what you might think is your core business to go apply or do something like this. And even Mike, the things we talked about before, you know, assessing all your costs or going to get, you know, a line of credit, anything that pulls you from the core business is hard. I I'm a venture backed company. Now we weren't in the early days. And when I go out to raise a round of funding, it pulls me from my employees, from my core business, from my family, but the amount of money, you know, is substantial and it's important. So, so I would, I, that's, it seems so simple, Mike, but I go back to like, put it on your calendar that, you know, on Monday morning from 10 to 12, I'm going to search and apply for grants every week. And so, because if, if you, if it's catch as catch can, oh, maybe I'll do it Saturday night or when, when my bakery closes, you know, it, it, it'll make it more frustrating. Well, and, and I, I can I can detest both on the small business entrepreneur because I've been in that seat, also at the at the C suite at a you know hundred million dollar publicly traded company like I am at right now. There's a difference between working on your business and in your business. And so many times, yeah. <laughs> small businesses, you can't help but get sucked into your day to day, right? But right, right. And and so it's no different. Like if if we're going to do a raise, and we don't do it often as a public company, but we do it. The amount right. of, it's a huge distraction for the executive team. Um, but it forces you to really sharpen your business strategy. If you can't put it into a clear business plan and into a PowerPoint with spreadsheets that kind of back up your numbers and, and communicate that clearly, no one's going to give you the, the, the funding, right? And so right. Uh, it, it same thing for filling out these applications or bank up loan applications, anything. That step back, it's hard. It's more work. It's a distraction. It but it w- but it will sharpen your business acumen and improve your business strategy just for having to go through the process. And Mike, I cannot share enough. If you when and if you do that, when the shit hits the fan, emergencies come, you will be more prepared. And I will tell you, two thirds of counties have had a natural disaster in this country in the last five years. Well, you know, floods, wow. fires, tornadoes, we've had COVID, we've had bank disruption. So taking the time to get your get your financial health together, to diversify your where you're receiving your cash, 
to get yourself what I would call application ready to apply for things will prove well when something happens in your business, which it will, and it will be completely out of your control. So, you know, taking the time now um, will pay dividends later. Elizabeth, what would be some of the major, uh, what, would, what would be some of the top, I'd say, mistakes or, or shortcomings that uh, entrepreneurs make when they're, when they're applying for grants? Is it as simple as detail in the application? Question. I mean, yeah. There, I would say uh, particularly private sector grants, there's two things that folks are going to look for. Um, that you know your numbers and your numbers are clear. And then your story. I cannot underscore your story. Um, I, I will say at the end of the day, if there's 10 applications, we're picking eight and the last two both have a, their, their numbers correct, you're going to pick the one with a compelling story about you as a founder, about your business, how has it served the community, your passion for the business, why is it there? So, um, and if your numbers aren't right, you're good, you're, it doesn't matter how good your story is, your application's gone. Yeah. And so, you know, I think spending time on both of those things are, are very critical. And then this is, this is so silly, but I have been so mad at myself. I'm not a detail person. On those government grants, if you go one sentence too long that they say you, you're allowed to go or you don't click one thing, it doesn't matter. You're out. <laughs> and so just be really careful there. If you're not a detail person, have someone just triple check yeah. those things because it, you know they can't break their rules and it, it can be frustrating. But anyways, yeah. I would say your numbers and your story are really important. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean... Knowing your numbers, having knowing the math of your business, that's just like this baseline minimum requirement, right? Um, yeah. But I think people underestimate the and I'm a marketer, so I think about this kind of stuff every day. But the impact of story is just everything. If they don't understand your why, then yeah. then it's just numbers on a spreadsheet, and now you've left right. it up to a competition whose numbers are better. If your numbers are at least as good, and they if you explain your why in a compelling way, and I'm getting into Simon Sinek world here, but that, that's what people will get behind. And your numbers are just a validation of, oh, that's something I want to support, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mike, one other thing I'd love to share is yeah. how you're going to utilize that money is really important. Yeah. Um, most of these government and private sector grants, they very much care about what is the outcome of that money and, and, and how is it going to impact the future of your business? So I'll just give an example of um, a great company called Soap Cauldron, a veteran-owned woman, Latina woman, and she, she's got a direct-to-consumer, but she also, her candles and soaps serve thousands of other businesses who want to, want to put their own marker on products. Sure. And she needed this one piece of equipment that cost $8,000. It's very expensive. Um, think of a, a giant vat that heats up uh, soap. If she bought that, it just not her own bottom line, but it served almost 300 other businesses in Sonoma County that mm. need those products for their own small business. So it was so clear that 
wow, this one piece of equipment isn't just serving this business. It's critical to all these other B2B environments. So I just be really clear. I'm one other. I love I love small business owners. There was a woman during COVID in Atlanta who had a uh, basic construction services company, but she really served shut-ins who maybe their dishwasher broke, their heat and air broke, her truck broke down. She was one of very few contractors in Atlanta during the lockdown who was allowed to go to people's homes because she served shut-ins. She couldn't get there because of this truck. So her grant was purchasing this truck to serve probably 50 elderly shut-ins in her community. So, you know, make sure it's not, oh, I need a truck for my business. Right. Because I can't get anywhere. I need a truck for my business because I serve these 50 other shut-ins. I need the soap cauldron because my B2B environment ensures that these 200 other businesses are able to sell. So just make sure that it's not just the commodity or equipment or that hire, but how is it going to impact a, a third, fourth ring uh, outcome. That's awesome. So uh, to have to have an application that really stands out, is there anything other than, so know your numbers, make them crystal clear and simple right. as possible, I assume. Have a compelling story. What's the why behind why you need it, how you're going to use the money? Any other, way, any other advice you'd have to have a standout application? I just uh, follow the application guidelines. It seems yeah. simple, but we're all busy. We all move fast, and it's the easiest way to get kicked out. I know right. from experience. I, I'm having this childhood memory. <laughs> swear to God, it just popped into my head. I don't know, maybe sixth, seventh grade, some public speaking contest, and I know that I crushed <laughs> it. I was way better than these other dudes, uh, but I went over on time, and I was I was eliminated because I didn't follow the rules, right? And oh, so and, and of course, so that's so me. But it's but it's but it, it it applies, right? So you you have to demonstrate to people who are going to give you money that you understand the rules of the game and you can follow them still. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost a a one hundred fifty thousand dollars grant from Treasury that we were ranked like the top to get it because we were a paragraph too long and there was no lobbying or anything to fix it. It was dead. <laughs> I was so mad yeah. at myself. I was like, no. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. Um. Okay. Um, how about maybe the last question I would have is what kind of reporting? So like you talked about uh, how you use the money is important. Certainly you taught you, you shared it in a way that talks about how it is important from a storytelling perspective and from an application standout perspective. What about actual post grant requirements? I'm assuming it's a little all over the board. Some people just write you a check. Others will probably require proof of how you're spending this money over time? Yeah. So one um, interim step, when you apply, let's say you get accepted, most states require um, proof of EIN, proof of LLC. So you're going to have to do some diligence documentation um, that's required. And it should be because there's a lot of fraud out there. So I would just say, you know, don't get frustrated on that. That's generally a requirement by the state. Um, and then, you know, your wiring information, your transfer, all that kind of stuff. Um, on the requirement side, most are going to want some kind of probably not three months, but six month and 12 month um, report back on did your business grow? Did it not? Sometimes it's technical. Sometimes it's just a video. 
Um, on the government grants, you're going to need, you will have time bound forms that you will fill out for sure. Um, and then again, I want to stress, even though you're busy, if there is other things is offered with that grant, please take advantage of them. And again, I know Mike, this is what you said, it take, you know, working on your business or in your business, but most of those programs are excellent. You'll get a lot out of them. And most of all, you'll grow your network and have new contacts. So I yeah. would just say, in addition to the follow-up and feedback uh, loop and evaluation, really take advantage of whatever that organization is offering you. Right, right. Um, Elizabeth, really enjoyed our conversation. I know we're at about at time here. Um, the purpose of this show is to help entrepreneurs and business owners grow their business and give them the information to do so. Take, take 30 seconds. Just tell us about Hello Alice and, and how you guys specifically help businesses. Absolutely. So helloalice.com, we're a free service for small business owners uh, to provide equitable, keyword, act, access to capital and to help you with your business health. So uh, on Hello Alice, you can find grant opportunities. We have an equitable loan center with about 92 lenders. Uh, we have uh, a small business MasterCard to help you with your operational credit. Uh, most of all, there's uh, 1.2 million other small business owners that you can connect with, uh, whether you're looking to talk to someone in your industry, maybe you want to talk to another U.S. veteran. Um, and within that community, there are thousands of nonprofits, resources and chambers. Um, but make sure to fill out your whole business profile, because then we will only pop things up to you that are specifically relevant to your industry, your stage of growth, your location. And then we really look at you as a founder, uh, whether you're a male, female, you're um, a military spouse. We have a huge military spouse, uh, small business community. So we're glad to have y'all. And uh, we love most of all helping support you and telling your story. So come on over. All right. Elizabeth, really enjoyed meeting you today. Great, great content. Looking, uh, looking forward to sharing this uh, with folks on the show. You can find this uh, in the live show. We'll also have a recording uh, of it on our website and available on their YouTube channel. So anything else you'd want to say in closing, Elizabeth? Mike, thank you for small business owners out there. Step out of your isolation, um, you know, use resources like Assure and Hello Alice and um, everything we can do to support you. Um, thank you, Riverside. So glad to be with y'all. Yeah. Until next week. Thanks all. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws. Visit AssureSoftware.com.